Well, looks like I picked the wrong Die Hard Minute to start sniffing blue. Welcome back to the Die Hard Minute, where every day, Monday through Friday, Movies by Minute hosts, like us, talk about one minute of the greatest Anthony Peck movie ever made. The 1988 John McTiernan-directed movie, Die Hard. I'm Curtis Blaze of the Better Off Dead Minute and Clue Minute Podcast. And I'm Jason Hummel of the Better Off Dead Minute Podcast and Mondo Confidential. Today we're talking about Minute 66, which starts with Dwayne telling Powell that the guy he's talking to on the radio might just be the terrorist jerking his chain, and ends with Hans learning that Holly doesn't enjoy being that close to him. Curtis, would you like to tell everyone what happened in this movie? I would love to, Jason. In the previous minute, Hans Gruber's team of wacky thieves starts to drill through the locks of the safe after being unable to get the code from Mr. Takagi. Meanwhile, outside, Detective Dwayne T. Robinson arrived on the scene to take charge. As the minute begins, Robinson has just learned that Powell is in communication with somebody on the inside and isn't happy about it. At 65 minutes and 22 seconds, the KFLW-TV14 news van arrives in the parking lot, much to the consternation of the police. At 65 minutes and 23 seconds, we cut to Holly's office, which Hans Gruber has turned into his command center for running the heist. Holly is brought before them and makes requests on behalf of the hostage. As the minute ends, Holly tells Hans that since he murdered her boss, she's now in charge, but isn't happy about it. Have you ever noticed, Jason, that in movies, cops' hunches always pan out? Yep, pretty much. They're always on the ball. Cops are psychic in movies. (laughs) And it's always the gut. Yeah. And Powell's gut is telling him that John is not a terrorist. And in fact, he... Maybe a cop. You know, Robinson's gut is telling him that he's a terrorist. So wait a minute, that throws a bit of a wrench into the cops' hunches always work out in movies theory of mine. Well, and another another uh, trope is that the the chief is usually wrong. It's always like the Sarge that knows what's what, you know? That's true. Uh, even though it's a deputy chief in this case, shouldn't he be back in a room somewhere eating Tums and yelling... <laughs> At Powell. Powell! You crashed another squad car. <laughs> That's the action movie I want to see. <laughs> yeah. Powell with his dirty, hairy shades on. Yeah. Minute 66 is one of the best moments in movie history. The arrival of Richard Thornburg. <laughs> Although we don't get to see him. Do we? Do we get to see him in this minute? We don't. Not in this minute, no. Just see the van. I always remember him from Real Genius. I always think of him as uh, Peck from uh, Ghostbusters. Oh my god, that's right. He was the EPA guy. Yep. One time when we were off the air, didn't we have a theory about Peck and this guy being the same guy just later in life? Oh yeah. He's disgraced. He's covered in marshmallow. (laughs) You know. So I I think he left the uh, EPA tail between his legs and uh, maybe he... uh... Started a new life in L.A. Yeah. As L.A.'s most hated anchorman, or I guess (laughs) on-the-scene reporter... As we progress through the minute, a tiny TV is put down in front of uh, Hans so that I guess he can watch himself on TV. Although, what we the first thing we see is some strange either movie or TV clip that looks like a hillbilly fighting with one of the Harkonnens from Dune. Were you able to tell what this movie was? No, I still haven't figured it out. There was nothing referenced in, there was no, like, thank you acknowledgements in the credits of this movie for this. Zilch. Not even to a studio for the use of their clip. No. I want to see that movie. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to see that movie. It looked terrible. <laughs> I'd watch it for like five minutes. You know, I'd, I'd watch that scene. Watch that scene, right? Yeah. 
Joe's in Die Hard. <laughs> Honey, come in here. Quick. I got to show you something. <laughs> I'm not going to warn you again. <laughs> That's my favorite line from the movie, by the way. <laughs> no one can say, punch. I'm not going to warn you again without me thinking of Die Hard. Ah. It's like the catchphrase of the movie. When I was little, I wanted one of these TVs really bad. I thought it was just the coolest thing to have a portable TV. To be able to watch TV everywhere. In your car, while you're on family trips. <laughs> Imagine. Of course, now they got them mounted to the back of the seat. Now they've just got them in your pocket, it turns out. Yeah. <laughs> but to to have a thing that's that's easily carryable, relatively light, and you picked up TV with an antenna, just as you're going down the road. I never actually got one, so I never got to actually experience... The joy of constantly going in and out of TV station ranges with what I'm sure was a very powerful set of rabbit ears on top of that thing. <laughs> constantly moving around, trying to watch a single episode of anything. Nope. <laughs> on the way to Colorado. I'm watching Gunsmoke, Dad. Five minutes later. Ugh. I'm watching Big Valley. Five minutes later. Ugh. It's funny. When I was a kid, we had two TVs. One in the living room. And one in the kitchen, and the one in the kitchen was black and white. Why I don't know. They just never upgraded it. That was, I mean, that was my experience too. We had, we had the giant, twelve inch, in the living room, <laughs> <laughs> and then we had the uh, the nine inch black and white that kind of just floated around the house as needed. And it ended up being my TV. And then in later years, when they got a new TV, I got the giant twelve inch color. Nice. So I could watch, you know. Big Valley. Actually, I watched a lot of Time Bandits over and over. Ah. So much so that I ended up just recording it on tape and then listening to the soundtrack of the movie constantly. Oh, you did that too? I did that. You did that? Yeah. What movie was your uh, listening to it constantly on audio tape? Oh, God. Um. I mean, I know Time Bandits by heart without looking at it. I can recite that movie, and I know like the little sound cues. I know fully cues in that movie. I've listened to it so much. I, I, I taped so many movies, and then what I would do is I would take little sound bites from uh, the tapes and, like, make fake interviews with the characters. Nice. Yeah. I never went that far. <laughs> so I looked, and I looked, and I looked, and I know that right now the Princess Bride guys probably know everybody's names. I've got a feeling they know, they're on top of it and know who all the terrorist names are. I could not figure out who handed this TV to Hans. Could not find it. I looked and looked and looked. Did you Did you ever find out? We were thinking Tony, but isn't he dead already? I don't know, you know. I haven't seen this movie in a while. Because, <laughs> you know, because he's got the gray sweats. And, you know, Tony had the gray sweats. True. You know, next thing you know, he's got ho, ho, ho across his chest. Now I have a machine gun. But it didn't really look like Tony, though. Well, yeah, that's kind of my issue with that theory. It's like the other he, guy in the room is Marco. Yes. Okay. Yeah, the one that looks like Johnny the Boy from uh, Mad Max. They all look like members of. Oh God, he does look like Johnny the Boy. Wow. I just took his boots, man. I heard a song about that guy today. Really? I think it was actually on uh, uh, Die Hard Minute founder Jim O'Kane's website. He posted some song by some band. Maybe it was Jim. Maybe it was on the Mad Max Minute. Oh my god. You know what? You have to see it right now. Watch. Watch 
Condolini wants his head back. Hey, everybody. <laughs> You've been listening to the Main Force Patrol by the Dark Clouds Minute. For those of you that are Patreon subscribers, welcome back to the Die Hard Minute with Jason and I. Where were we, Jason? Trying to figure out who the terrorist was. Oh, my God. I can't figure out who the terrorist was. Let's move on. Did they bring a TV just for this occasion? Were they like, hey, you know, we're probably going to be on TV. What about we take one? Like, okay, bullets, check. Safe cracking equipment, check. Tiny TV so I can watch myself on TV, check. Check and double check. There wasn't even enough room in the ambulance for them. How do you suppose that decision was made? They're going over the list of crap they need. I would, I yeah, I'm I'm guessing probably Hans's idea. He's the real media savvy one. We're taking a TV. Hans, we're taking a TV. Fine, TV. Is there a secondhand man in the uh, in the terrorist organization? Hans is obviously leading. Yeah. Who's the secondhand guy? Is it that blonde guy with the machine gun with the tiny like weird looking machine gun? Carl. Carl. Is it Carl? Or is he just the main monkey boy? <laughs> he's like the well, he's the kind of like the beast, you know. The guy who's safe cracking. Theo? Theo, yes. He could be second in charge, second in command. Yeah, he's certainly smart enough. He's definitely the most Christmassy <laughs> of all the terrorists. Yeah. Besides the ho-ho-ho guy, of course. <laughs> Obviously, he's got... He's the Santa, if there is one. <laughs> so do you think they got, like... They got up there? Because here's the thing. There wasn't a big bag of gear. Everyone just had guns. Was there? Was anyone carrying any bags on the way up? I didn't see any. No, they just took guns, right? Yeah. Executed dude... Uh, terrorized everybody, kept everybody in the mezzanine. Someone had to go back down to get the TV. <laughs> that no-name terrorist that we don't know was like, Ugh. they were like, hey, Mike, go get the TV. And he's like, why do I have to get the TV? You'll instructed to bring it with you the first time. <laughs> do not make me tell you again. I'm going to count to three. One. <laughs> two. But I mean, okay, so speaking of the garage, let's say the dude, let's say they had big bags of, let's say they had like a a big steamer trunk full of like the TV and I don't know, some comic books, whatever they needed for the two hours that they had to kill while they were cracking the safe, which... Or like a footlocker. I prefer to think steamer trunk, probably with lots of stickers on it from destinations they've been to. (laughs) You know, like, oh, Kuala Lumpur. Like, to me, this heist crew... Is the same heist crew that did, like, the entrapment? Maybe this is the road I don't want to go down. <laughs> <laughs> they started out in Vegas in the 60s, is what I'm saying. And then 20 years later, they're they're at the Nakatomi Plaza doing the heist. <laughs> Were you thinking, oh, Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> that's, that's quite a leap from entrapment to Ocean's Eleven, but... I, I, was, I was taking pictures of a girl that looked like Catherine Zeta-Jones a couple days ago, and so it's been on my mind. Ah. Young, hot, Catherine. So, if they didn't have a steamer trunk with the television in it, and what other equipment would they need besides... Like, what haven't we seen? Television. Probably Walkman. 80s. Yeah. Someone had a Walkman, right? Mm -hmm. Someone must have had a Walkman. I mean, Huey Lewis was there. (laughs) But if they didn't have the steamer trunk, and someone had to go back down to the garage, I wonder if it occurred to that guy, you know, we haven't really checked the garage. 
No one ever, like, we didn't see a team of terrorists deployed to the garage to sweep things. And if they did, Argyle. It's not like Argyle was hiding. No. He had he had the uh, Run DMC cranked, and he's uh, getting in the back and breaking out the bar, right? <laughs> Wouldn't they have found him? Yeah, you would think. The parking garage is sort of a black hole in this movie. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a later minute. Let's take a minute to talk about Die Hard's view of authority, shall we? Wow, that is completely off the cuff. I can't believe you just thought of that. <laughs> Light bulb, ding. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Jason, I'll bite. What is Die Hard's view on authority? It seems to give the message that uh, authority is not to be trusted at face value. And that just because someone outranks you doesn't mean they know what they're talking about. It, it kind of goes back to what I was saying about, like, chiefs and sergeants and cop movies, you know? Well, that's kind of an 80s thing. I mean, uh, anti-authority. All the authorities were bumbling idiots. Yeah. Well, every chief Yeah. in every action movie. Yeah. Or was the Mighty Ducks the 90s? Mighty Ducks was 90s, yeah. <laughs> the but, first one might have been, like, late 80s. But whether it was sports movies or cop movies or adventure movies, there was always a person in charge that was incompetent. Yeah. Incompetent always ruled the ranks. Was that even in Kubrick movies? It was definitely like in Platoon. It was in the Vietnam War era movies. Yeah. Oh, hey. I bet that's where it came from. The people in Vietnam were the people making movies in the 80s, and they didn't trust authority because Vietnam. Yeah. Oh, well... Did I just solve that? <laughs> yeah, Kubrick definitely, you know, had a thing about authority. I mean, look at the strange love, you know. Talk about that a little bit. All the uh, military guys are just like rabid, rabid, you know, let's blow them up. And president is the only guy that has like any inkling of like sanity. Which is exactly backwards from reality these days. <laughs> yes. Okay, I won't get into the politics, sorry. Well, while you were... uh Having deep thoughts about thematic issues running through the movie and how that relates to society as a whole. I was just noticing Holly's cheeks. Man, was she sucking those things in as she was walking in. (laughs) She was doing skinny face. Hard. (laughs) Did you see that? Yeah. Like she was going to lose some teeth if she sucked in any harder. (laughs) Yeah. It was the... Oh, God, let's just get this over with, face. Oh, yeah, it was definitely a, 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 a stress suck. The insides of her cheeks were bleeding after this scene. <laughs> yeah, she almost looks like one of those like backup dancers in a Robert Palmer video. Blasphemer. <laughs> I said almost. Miss Gennaro is much prettier. True. And he paid for that. He's dead now. Wait, he is, right? Robert Palmer, dead? Yeah. Dead. I just love, Jason, that we get the minute of the best want-want. What did you put you in charge? You did when you murdered my boss. <laughs> Holly's nose opens up to three times the width of a normal nose right there. <laughs> and Hans's look up is just priceless. <laughs> it's so weird to have this 80 sitcom exchange. Right after he just ruthlessly blew Takagi Taka- Taka- away. Yeah, I mean, and that just shows you how brave she is. Oh, I bet there's a few drops <laughs> <laughs> running down her leg. But I was wondering, Powell, right? Yeah. He's just a patrol cop. Yep. 
There was a call that came in, possibly a crank call to the command center. Mm -hmm. And command center chick was like, hey, most incompetent patrol cop, go look to see if there's like something going on there. And he goes, and he's like, any terrorists here? And the, ter- and the terrorists are like, nope. He's like, <laughs> okay, thanks. <laughs> and then body, blow, <laughs> bullets. Did they shoot the rocket launcher at him? Not yet. It didn't go there. <laughs> I, I, but, I, I, but panics and drives backwards off the big parking garage. I, I just imagine him leaving, leaving the building going, is it just me or does that guy look like Huey Lewis? Well, okay. And also, his patrol car's got to smell like poop at this point, right? <laughs> You don't drive off a story parking garage and, and walk away from that clean. No. No, you don't. So he's standing there. What's this guy doing in the command center of the whole thing? And why is the chief even talking to him? The well, chief doesn't believe that he's in touch with the terrorists. I mean, or, he's... Or does he? And he I'm sorry. I'm, I'm walking all over you. Go ahead. Well, I mean, technically he's a witness. Yeah. But, okay, he's a witness and he's a cop. And he was first responder on the scene. I guess there's precedent for that. I don't know if this was the origin, but going forward, there is sort of a thing where when you're the lowly guy who discovers the thing or whatever, I mean, Nux, Nux, when he found the boot, got to ride with Morton Joe on his truck. Maybe that's too much of a stretch. Nah, I can see it. (laughs) But he's at the command center. He was an assistant prince. So Vernon is sitting there. He doesn't believe that Powell is in touch with anybody important except the terrorists. But wait a minute. This just occurred to me. If he truly believes that Vernon... No, no. If Vernon truly... No, no. <laughs> I'm screwing this up. Hey. Robinson. Robinson. Assistant Chief... No. Deputy Chief Robinson. Deputy Chief, yes. Assistant Principal Vernon. Right? Yeah. Hmm. This guy's second banana in his own bad guy movies. <laughs> That's where the anger comes from, I think. As an actor? Yeah. Drawing on that? Yeah. <laughs> if he truly believes... God, now I'm going to call him Vernon for the rest of the show. <laughs> if Gleason truly believes that Powell is in touch with the terrorists, why is he nagging him so hard? Why isn't he like, oh, tell him this. <laughs> tell him we're going to go in the, the back door. <laughs> I think, uh... But, sir, I think he's a cop! I think, I don't know, he is like a giant ball of negative reinforcement. I don't think he knows how to be, like, civil and nice and, like... The actor or Powell? No, no. Uh, Robinson. Oh, names! My only weakness! (laughs) Robinson is a ball of negativity. Yeah. Is he the one eating the thing of Tums every day. <laughs> Shotgun on those Tums. Wasn't he in emergency? Emergency? Was Paul Gleason in emergency? Possibly. <laughs> to the internet. What? I guess I missed out on it. Yep. Oh, it sucks. So sad now. He died 11 years ago. He was the bad guy in trading places. Mesothelioma. Oh, the famous one. Yeah, from Asbestos. Panic in Year Zero. Adam-12. Green Hornet. Mission Impossible. Invaders. More Adam-12. <laughs> Columbo. Just one more thing. Was he in emergency or not? Let's see, that would be 70s. Shut up, he was A-team. 
he is really good at playing really obnoxious authority figures. I always like to imagine that they're all the they're all the same. Like he was a principal and he couldn't take that anymore. And so he moved to he moved south, I guess, to no, I guess he wait a minute. Went Shermer, Illinois to Shermer, Illinois to Los Angeles. Or Los Angeles to Shermer. Which one came from Um Breakfast Club was first. Okay, so he was he was an assistant bright vice principal. And then he's like, uh, I'm going to take police science because I can't handle these kids anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but he's still got the attitude. Jason, if I wanted to find you on the internet, where would I find you? Well, you'd find me at um, mondoconfidential.wordpress.com. Still doing that, eh? Yep. Nice. And uh, Better Off Dead Minute, of course. Because we're going to be doing that till we die. Yeah. <laughs> One episode a month, whether we need to or not. <laughs> and uh, occasionally I check my Twitter, uh, at JasonHummel9. And there's Facebook, of course. What about you, Curtis? Well, I mean, I'm on Facebook. I On Facebook, at my name, it's all I'm doing, and, and podcasting. Podcasting and taking pictures of pretty ladies. <laughs> uh, you guys can follow the Die Hard Minute on Twitter at Die Hard Minute at the Die Hard with a podcast listener's limo on Facebook and at DieHardMinute.com If you'd like to catch up on other Movies by Minutes podcasts visit MoviesByMinutes.com for more information Join us tomorrow for Minute 67 when we hear Holly say It's Gennaro Miss Gennaro. Until then, I'm Jason Hummel. And I'm Curtis Blaze. Merry Christmas from Nakatomi Plaza. Tell me you got that. I got it, I got it. They hit your heart on Channel 5. <laughs>